Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietry. Sal, you excited about tonight's guest? Ed, great guest tonight. Bonnie Carroll is a 2015 recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She's a former White House West Wing staffer and Air Force Reserve major whose life was forever changed when her husband, Brigadier General Tom Carroll, was killed in an Army C-12 plane crash in November 1992. As Bonnie searched for support, she realized that there was no organization dedicated to grieving military families. In 1994, she set out to create TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, a national support program that has offered hope and healing, Ed, to 70,000 military family members, casualty officers, and caregivers. Bonnie joins us to talk about the experience of losing her husband, her vision for TAPS, and some of the people that they've served along the way and what great stories we're going to hear tonight. Bonnie, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So, Bonnie, maybe a good place to start is to to go back to 1992 when you learned about uh, the death of your husband. Uh, Tell us about those first weeks and months after that, how you were feeling and how you you dealt with the situation. My husband was an extraordinary and dynamic leader in the Army. he was so much alive, and like many of us who lose loved ones suddenly and traumatically, it is absolutely impossible to believe that they're gone. It was uh, it was really months before I could ever come to that point of just understanding I would never see him again. So in the aftermath of, of his death, I searched for the kind of support systems that I knew existed for other types of loss in our society and uh, found that for the military here in America, they didn't exist. That uh, despite all the losses our military had experienced, there had never been an organization connecting all of us, grieving the loss of a fallen hero. Yeah, and this is a life-changing event, I mean, to say the least. This, you know, is a, when we talked in the beforehand, you know, looking for a support group, that there were, you know, lots of, of good organizations out there. There's There's Gold Star Wives, there's uh, a lot of associations where the military can can sort of join, but really the grieving process, the hands-on grieving process really didn't exist. You know, grief is about love. We grieve because we love someone, and we always will. Death ends a life, but it doesn't end a relationship. And uh, in searching for the support that I so desperately needed to survive that, uh, that loss, the most effective support I found was with the other the other women. There were eight killed in Tom's plane crash, and uh, the eight of us became very close. And we found an incredibly strong support system. It's called uh, peer-based emotional support. You know, I immediately joined Gold Star Wives and other wonderful organizations, their membership associations. They lobby Congress and make sure that the benefits accorded military spouses are secure. But um, there wasn't a program just to help us grieve. Grief isn't a, it isn't a mental illness. It, it isn't a physical injury. Gosh, I wish you could take a pill or put a bandage on it and uh, just get better. But um, grief is a transformation. Tell us how you began to, to formulate a vision for TAPS and then started to, to make it a reality. Well, it took about two years uh, for my own healing, but then also 
to benchmark best practices in the organizations that did exist, that were doing peer-based support successfully. There are some wonderful programs in America and, and internationally. There was a great program for law enforcement survivors that was started just five years before TAPS came, on, came along. So uh, it, was, it was an incredible opportunity to identify the needs of the military survivor and then find the ways to best meet those needs. You know, what, what interests me, Bonnie, about your story, like so many of our guests, it, it's almost like in some ways they've been preparing for this moment, even though they don't know it. I mean, you uh, were involved as, as a, a case officer. You helped 1,600 family members deal with a, a trauma, I think, after aircraft went down. You know, been involved in victims for violent crime in, in Alaska. You know, a lot of this was sort of preparing you, I, I guess, unbeknownst to us all, for a moment when you would use these skills to go on and create TAPS. And you know, that's exactly what I thought when, when I first got the word that Tom had been killed. I've been trained to be a critical incident stress management debriefer after my National Air National Guard unit had lost three boom operators in a KC-135 mishap. And uh, as you said, it helped an entire Air Guard organization cope with that loss. I was also working at the time in a district attorney's office as a victim witness coordinator, helping those uh, who had lost a loved one to homicide or other violent crime. So, you know, when I got the word that, that Tom had been killed, my first thought was, well, gosh, I'll be able to help my family, I'll be able to help the unit, the other families, and we'll be okay, we'll get through this. And boy, that little fantasy lasted about 30 seconds, right. and uh, my world just stopped. And, you know, I think it's safe to say, do you feel this is really your higher purpose now in life? It is absolutely an honor to give meaning and purpose to Tom's death and to take everything that, as you said, really was preparing me for this this mission, this calling. It's uh, It's been an extraordinary opportunity to give back to those who are grieving. You know, Ed, so many times, like Bonnie, our guests find that, you know, they're listening. They're listening with their hearts, with their eyes, with their ears, and they see things or hear things as opposed to going and saying, this is the way this organization should change. Bonnie went in with a heart that was grieving and said, this is how other people like me can relate and need this service. And this is really fundamental, I think, to all of our guests when they go on to find this higher purpose. Yeah, I, it's amazing. 23 years, we were talking about before we went on the air, you've helped over 70,000 surviving family members, casualty officers, caregivers. That's an amazing figure. Um, I would love to talk about some of the stories because you, I know you met with Sal and you sort of started this thing organically. You, you just, there was like a one person, two person you interacted with and just helped them in a deeply personal, really giving of yourself way. Why don't you tell us one or two of these stories about you know, the, the first few people that you helped? Oh, well, TAPS is a family. It really is a connection of those who are grieving the loss of, of a military member, someone whose life included selfless service to this country. Very early on, just months after I launched TAPS as a, as a national organization, uh, I got a letter from a young girl. Her fiancé, a naval officer, uh, was killed on Valentine's Day of 1995. And she was just searching for support and somehow found an article about what I was doing. And uh, we talked and found that we had so much in common, both having lost the loves of our lives in military aviation. And, uh, you know, 
her story is just heartbreaking. She got the knock on the door and thought at first it was it was flowers since it was Valentine's Day. And instead, it was the naval officers informing her that her world had forever changed. So that, uh, that young woman has been in and out of our organization. She's been a volunteer, a peer mentor. Uh, she has been engaged in so many different aspects. And today, she is actually on our staff. So it's exciting to see that we have now helped, as you said, over 70,000. But this year... And we're coming up at the end of year, but we've had over 6,000 new surviving family members who have come to TAPS for the hope and healing and support and resources that we can offer. And each one of those has a story that includes a loved one who stepped forward to selflessly serve this country. Oh, God bless you. That's incredible. Hey, look, I, when we met, we talked about, uh, uh, I thought it was a, a great story about a young uh, widow who was living in Maine. And, you know, TAPS, you know, Ed, I had a chance to visit their office here in Arlington. This is a first-class organization. This is, you know, I often engage with military leaders in, in, in my day job. But, you know, when I went there, there's a presence that things are being done incredibly well and that this truly is a first-class organization. In those early days, you, you were sort of going by the heart and dealing with people. And you told me the story about a young widow who was living in Maine and you all ended up connecting, and you just invited her to come out. That was sort of your reaction from the heart was, how do I get in touch with this person? How do I embrace this person? How do we get this going? It is. It's absolutely family. It really is. And uh, that that's how we respond. I had received a call from a young woman who had just gotten word that her husband had gone overboard on a Navy ship. It's absolutely mm. heartbreaking. She was also serving in the Navy and just trying to keep her own career going, find her footing, just figure out the way forward. It was so difficult. And she said, you know, if I'm, if I'm grieving, uh, people may, you know, my superiors may take away my security clearance. But if I'm not grieving, they won't know how much I, I love my husband. And uh, so I said, well, can, do you have leave? Can you get away? And I said, just come and be with me for a week. Let's figure this out. And she did. She uh, she just said she needed to get away. She jumped on an airplane, and, and we spent time together sorting it out. And uh, over the years, she uh, actually went back to school, uh, pursued a degree in uh, counseling and psychology, uh, remarried uh, another a man who was in the Navy, had three children, and that woman is today one of our senior program directors. So uh, just extraordinary story of how we create family and how we reach back to help others, to keep giving back, to giving meaning and purpose to the life of our loved one. And that bond is incredible that someone would want to not only be healed, but then step forward and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an active participant in this and help change the lives of other people. You know, one of the things, Bonnie, when we chatted was just that, that these losses uh, cover all from from the private to the to the general and, and to people, parents, families. And, and you told me a, an incredible story, really heartwarming story about General Mark Graham. Uh, I don't know if listeners know, but General Graham lost two sons, uh, one of them in, in active combat, uh, one of them in a bomb blast actually in Iraq. And you told me there was a man who drove hours uh, to hear General Graham speak in an event that you were. Tell us a bit about what happened after that. Oh, gosh. You know, we, we had a, uh, a gathering, and General Graham was speaking to a community group, and that had been advertised in the area. 
And there was a surviving dad who was also grieving the loss of his son. He'd heard about this and uh, just got in his car, and he, did, he drove a very long way and um, walked into this hotel. They came in and got me and said that he was, he was out there. He was very emotional. And he said, I just want to see General Graham because he'll understand. And I, when General Graham was finished speaking, I asked if he could come out in the hall. And these two men just embraced they didn't even have to say a word. They just knew that they both had broken hearts beating in their chests, and it was incredible. They just hugged and cried, and it was uh, extraordinary healing that took place. That's incredible, because uh, how many times when people are asked to speak at something, Ed, and you, you and I see this all the time, they're sort of whisked off stage afterwards. Yep. You know, and they don't really even, even spend a few minutes and hear General Graham, you know, understanding this peer-to-peer grief came right down and, and embraced this man that he didn't even know. And, and that's just an incredible story. Look, we're talking with Bonnie Carroll, the founder and president of TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, a national organization dedicated to helping military family members through the grieving process. And Bonnie, a 2015 Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. It's a great honor for Ed and I to have her on the show tonight. Bonnie, why don't you uh, give us a quick snapshot of the core services offered by TAPS? Absolutely, and and this actually came out of that very early needs assessment and, and gap analysis. So the first and most important thing that TAPS creates for all those grieving a loss of a military loved one is a network, a national network of all of us who can come together and provide that support that only a peer can give. We get family members together at at local area care groups, at regional and national survivor seminars. The kids come together at good grief camps and campouts. So they get to learn that they're not alone, that their family is part of an American legacy of service and sacrifice, that there is someone out there who understands what they've been through and will be there for them. We hear families all the time say, I now know I am not alone. It is a way to honor our heroes by giving meaning and purpose to our lives. We also have a 24-7 helpline because grief is not 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Grief is 2 o'clock in the morning. Grief is Mother's Day or Father's Day or Valentine's Day. We have incredible peers who are available and there at 800-959-TAPS just to talk, to help, or to connect to critical resources. We do casework assistance, and it isn't just replicating what the government might do, but it's actually extending that. It's, it's bridging financial assistance for those in desperate need. It's providing help with very complicated benefits, making sure that all surviving children have access to their educational benefits, and connecting with what's available in states, local communities, and the private sector, so those who have suffered the loss of a military fallen hero are able to access everything that's available to them. And we also offer what we call community-based care, but it's connecting families with the best grief resources wherever they live across the country, so they have that soft landing. They move back from a military installation or 
move from one community to another, or even if they've lived in that community their whole lives, they may not know there is support available. So it's a layer upon layer of incredible healing opportunities, whether it's from a clinician, a community group, a TAPS peer, peer mentor, or someone just that they meet at, at one of our events. It is how we come together as a nation and heal. It's interesting. I heard an interview with you recorded a few years ago, and you mentioned that once TAPS got going, people thought it was something that already existed. It was running so well. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, when, when I first uh, had my in, initial brochures and I went to the Pentagon with a lot of trepidation to kind of share this idea that I had, the first reaction I got was, oh, this is a great program, very helpful. And people assumed it had always existed. <laughs> we actually had, uh, very early on, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General John Shalikashvili, attend one of our first national gatherings. He came to the dinner as our keynote speaker and was a very, very important person. But sitting at that roundhead table with a group of families, he was so taken with the fact they were interacting with each other. They were sharing stories about their loved ones, about their sons and their husbands, those who had given their lives in service to this country. And by connecting, they were finding healing. So when he got up to speak, he, uh, he said to everyone, he said, you know, coming here today, I, I, I was thinking, gosh, if, if there was a need for a program like this, the, the military would have created it. But he said, now I get it. We can't do for you what you must do for each other. This is where the healing will occur. So he pledged support, and uh, from that day forward, TAPS has had the engagement, the involvement with all the chairmen of the Joint Chiefs. General Martin Dempsey, our most recent uh, chairman before General Dunford, actually sits on our board of directors, and his predecessor, Admiral Mike Mullen's wife, is also a member of our board. So we're very grateful for the close connection TAPS has with the military and the agreements and protocols we have in place to connect with families as soon as there is a loss. Your board speaks speaks volumes, really, as to whether it's Army, Air Force, Navy, that, that it is a military family and that these leaders view the warfighter as a family member and that the family is at the forefront of all their thinking of a healthy soldier, healthy warfighter. It's absolutely critical and it's very impressive. You know, the holidays are upon us. It, this is a tough, tough time for families, sometimes just in general, whether you've lost a loved one or not, uh, particularly difficult at this time of the year for sure. Tell us about some of the things you're doing now at the holidays, um, and then we'll ask you to talk about a little bit about advice for families who are grieving uh, around the holidays. It's always tough. The holidays are a very difficult time because there are so many memories with loved ones, and there's uh, so much talk about being together with family, an emphasis on that, and it's difficult if a family member is no longer there. So we have a wonderful article, in fact, a lot of resources on our website at taps.org, and we encourage folks to, to check that out and, uh, and learn many of the ways that we can help others. But, you know, at the holidays, it's so important to just listen to your heart, to do the things that feel right for you and for your family. If it, if it feels right, to do something that, uh, that your loved one would have enjoyed, or maybe to create new traditions. You know, if some of our families were saying they love to fill the, the house with the smells of the foods that their loved one really enjoyed, and that's a wonderful way to bring them present into today. 
You know, you can also save a place at the table for your loved one and, uh, and always save that place for your loved one in your heart. That's great advice. So I have heard you called the chief hugger at TAPS. It's a great job title. (laughs) Clearly, it seems to me that you discovered the importance of human touch as an expression of compassion and support. What are the what's a list of important things that you'd like to share with us, like hugging that that people should do to provide support to those around them who have suffered a loss? Yeah, and I think this is this is important because, you know, more and more we're, we're becoming sort of a transactional society. We're expressing things on Facebook and Twitter. We're, we're losing sort of the art of simple expressions like this, of reaching out and physically touching people and getting hands-on with people. Well, it's remembering, first of all, that, that love endures, that our loved ones will live forever in our hearts. You know, we, we do talk a lot about hugging, and we do connect with with those who are grieving in a very personal way, very immediately. Uh, there was a study once that said you should get 42 hugs a day, and I don't think many of us get wow. get anywhere near that. <laughs> so at TAPS, we try to make up for it, and uh, we're a crowd that violates personal space pretty quickly, and uh, just come in to let folks know they are not alone. You know, a woman came up to me at uh, at a big event that we did last uh, last weekend, and she she just had this epiphany. She said, you know, she said, we're not here because they died. We're here because they lived, and that's what it's about. It's honoring the life of our loved ones, and it's remembering not just the death story in that moment or allowing that to define our loved ones, but it's remembering the years of the life. We also have a little prayer that we say, and it's, it's very simply, thank God for the little while. It never would have been long enough, and whether our loved ones were an infant or a teenager or whether they were 90 years old, we wanted one more year, one more day, one more moment. And, uh, you know, you've heard that after 9-11. A lot, of, a lot of folks have said that those cell phone calls that people were able to make uh, from aircraft were not uh, regrets or uh, things that were left undone. It was just an expression that I love you. That's beautiful. The other thing that stands out to me is it's an investment of time. I mean, you really poured yourself out on some of those first people, the the person that came out to visit you in Alaska, and you just really take the time and make the sacrifice of time to get close to people and help them. Would would you say that's a key factor as well? Absolutely, absolutely. To, To connect all those who are grieving with each other, to create that community. Let's invite you to issue a call to action to our listeners. And you can do two or three, or just share something that's on your heart, but why don't you tell the listeners, share with them some sort of a, challenge them in some way to get active and involved with people who have lost someone like this. Well, reach out to those that you know are grieving over the holidays. Remember that it is a difficult time, and a precious gift that you can give a a grieving friend or family member is a memory of their loved one to, for a moment, bring them back to life and and share something they may not have known or or give a photograph. Uh, Rees Across America is a wonderful program, and tomorrow they'll be in Washington, D.C. at Arlington National Cemetery, placing thousands of wreaths at each headstone. I know the community comes out in force, but it's a beautiful tribute to those who have served and died for this country. 
TAPS is headquartered in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, we have wonderful volunteer opportunities at our national headquarters. So check us out on the web at TAPS.org or, or call 800-959-TAPS and come over and uh, visit our headquarters, learn more about the organization, volunteer at, at one of our events, or to support our families. Uh, there's so much that, uh, that we can do to honor those who have served and sacrificed for this great country. You know, I'd like you to give a call to action, uh, Bonnie, to, to new widows who might be listening to this live today or, or on podcast in the future who are grieving. Could, uh, share a few words uh, w- with, these, with these folks. To know that you are not alone, that there is a community of others out here who understand, who share your pain and honor your loss, that we have resources and support and hope and healing available. Again, I hope folks will reach out and, uh, and visit TAPS.org or our, our Facebook and, and Twitter. We are constantly posting words of encouragement and support and resources. Again, that's at TAPS.org. And I've seen uh, in visiting your offices uh, a small box that people receive. I think there's a teddy bear that comes in. Tell us a bit about that first gift box that people receive because uh, I loved seeing that. We call it our resource kit, and it's full of things that are just helpful, whether it's a book on grief or a little heart magnet that uh, folks can put on their fridge and and put a picture of their loved one in it, and uh, a little tear-shaped stress ball, a candle that uh, has a very calming uh, fragrance, a photo journal where folks can write notes and also slide photos into little pockets and uh, carry around with them. It has our magazine. We have a wonderful book that we've published on a hundred ways to uh, to grieve a loss and and heal and find hope. So it's uh, it's a resource kit that is is sent to families shortly after the loss. And uh, if there are grieving military family members listening who haven't received it, please connect with us, and we'd love to get that to you. You know what I love about that kit are the simple things that in, are in there, Ed, maybe just a candle, a magnet, just just things that show people care. And you can do this in really small ways. Uh, you know, we can fly the flag on, on holidays. We can talk to veterans. We can talk to people who are grieving. You mentioned the Wreaths Across America. Our, our Boy Scout troop will be there. Um, you know, my son and I and, and our crew will be there. And we actually... Uh, had on one of our shows a gentleman who tells the story. He was actually one of the early tomb guards. He was uh, badge number 17, if you can imagine that, back in, in the 60s. And he talks about how uh, uh, the Warman family, who do the wreaths, they're the company that owned it, he came to, had won an essay contest and came to Washington, D.C. as a child and visited the tomb. And that one instance when he became successful, he had these extra wreaths, and he said, I know exactly what to do with this. And that simple act, that simple visit, has created something which is is incredible, a national phenomenon. Bonnie, it's been a true honor to have you on the program and share the TAPS uh, mission with our audience. Thank you for your military service. Thank you for the wonderful work you've done and continue to do with TAPS. Uh, if anybody wants to find out more about TAPS, uh, they can visit them on the web at TAPS.org or follow them on Twitter at TAPSorg. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.